Hello, Blood Bowl Grud here. Now I'm here to introduce you to the Tier 3 podcast. The podcast that has done for Blood Bowl what Nurgle's Rot has done for the sex lives of Pestigores. Enjoy! Hello everybody and welcome back. I know we are a bit out than what we said before. It seems to be uh, every other month now, but we're back. We're trying to get back onto uh, the regular regime. The sidekick in all this is Beard, the man, the myth, the personal gravy state for the Blood Bowl community. Beard, how are you, my son? I'm not too bad, Jay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm all right, Bert. I'm all right. It's been a long month, month and a half since we recorded last, and a lot has gone on. It has. A lot has happened in that time. Shall we talk hobby first and we'll keep the games played? What hobby have you done that? Uh, so since we last recorded, I've got quite a few things done. I've mostly repainted a whole snotling team with only one snotling per pump wagon, so a total of 30 models. I've got half a pump wagon and a troll to go, basing and they're done. I have done a whole printed player's goblin team uh, ready for thread. I still have to complete the Gaimir and Drunken Thread for my team, but other than that, I'm pretty much on track to have them all done in time for thread. Uh, I also finished off my Nurgle team as well. They were all finished, fully based, and I had a bit of a boo-boo with varnishing them. Yes, we did hear about that, but there was the, the panic in your voice after you'd done all our painting, and then uh, the varnish. The panic two nights before a tournament when you spray varnish them and the, the varnish frosts. Oh, that panic was real. That was a, a nip over at the local shop at two minutes before they closed, get some uh, olive oil and some cotton buds. and But yeah, they turned out quite nice. It took them to a tournament, but we'll, we'll come back to that when we get to the games played. We could do the bug twitch from about 30 miles away I can imagine you would I, I was quite proud of the paint job on them I had them all nice and done the bases were looking top dollar and then yeah the varnish happened other than that I have managed to mostly paint 30 beer barrel keg tokens for our tournament coming up in a couple of weeks I've just got 12 of them to finish a bit of detailing and then paint the bases fingers crossed the varnish I'll have no issues with this time but I at least know how to fix it if I do but other than that sort of the last two or three weeks of my hobby has been taken up by getting ready for our first tournament building player packs making sure we have everything in what about you what hobby have you got up to in the last however long it's been since we recorded well to be honest but I've done a few things I can't say that I've completed everything, but I haven't done the player packs. I've got the stuff ready for the player packs for you and just handed them off, but it's uh, preparation for the uh, tournament, which we get to talk about in our next episode. Yep. You know, about our experience running a first tournament. That's going to be mental. Can't remember what I said I'd done last time. So I'll just go over everything again. i done a, well, I've done the Threadball Squig that we are donating to Thread. So I don't know whether that's going to be a booby prize or not. But that is up on our Facebook page. I was quite proud of the pink job on that one. I was uh, trying to get it close to how Thor did it. But close, but not on his level still. But I will get there at one point. When I'm like six years old, arthri- arthritic as fuck and can't hold a brush. That's when I'll actually hit the level. What else have I done? I've, well, I've basically built 2,500 points of a night toad army over the last three months. And I've keep getting boxes with stuff in them because I don't know what I ordered all together and then shit just keeps appearing. I've built that, I've undercoated most of it. Some of it is actually finished painted. I've got about a thousand points finished painted. But so I've got another 1,500 points to go. But I've won a few games with them, but I'll talk about that after. We've had the printed players goblins and they were a lovely set. Though I will say, if our friend from Printed Players is listening, the sizes on the standing ones compared to the running ones was a bit off. The, the, the running ones, I don't know whether yours were the same, but the running ones looked about the size of a snot. In comp- yeah, may, maybe maybe just a 5% adjustment, if that, on the standing ones, just yeah. to make them feel sort of more in line. But then maybe the way that you say that about that goblin team is, you know, they give the weedier ones the ball to run away with and they, the bigger harder goblins go in for the fouls and kicking people. That's the way you get around that. Have you ever heard of a big hard goblin? Well, no, but that, that's what they're that's what they're out to prove. Like I said, that's my only nitpick at that team. It, it, it's a very dark part of your life when 
you sat there drilling peg holes in goblin crotches, so you can have standing to bases. That's a sta- standard standard Tuesday night where you live, isn't it? Drilling holes in goblin crotches. No, I, I'm not from Leeds. That, that was fine. The only thing I will say, though, I don't know how you coped with the Doom Diver, but that thing was the bane of my fucking existence for three hours. I got it out. I got it out of the packaging. As soon as I stood it up, it was like the fucking foot cracked open on it. It was It was just, I had two pieces just staying at me for like half an hour and I didn't know what the fuck to do because it wasn't even a clean cut. It was It was quite a jagged snap. Oh, I panicked. And there was so much fucking Gorilla Glue was used in that point. You were your old sausage fingers getting it out of the box. Oh, no. But the thing is, I would say it was my sausage fingers, but I actually stood it up and walked away. So, like, I wasn't even touching it. And then I could just see it go snap. Ah, I see. One minute it was on one foot on a rock. The next thing you know, it, it, it looked like something from the Saw film where it cut off its own fucking foot. Exactly. It's goblins, you know. They're, they're up to all sorts of shit like that. Oh, I tell you what, but I, fi- I was filing to make, try and get it flat. I needed to drill to the inside and then I realised the drill bit, the smallest drill bit I got was wider than the fucking foot. I, I was panicking, but it took me quite a bit of gorilla glue. A couple of paint pots to prop up the wings and line up the feet and I had to like basically will the fucking gorilla glue the fucking set pretty quick just just for it to hold like it's I, I can throw it across the room now it's fucking hard as brick the amount of uh, glue that's on it it's more it's more it's more glue than uh, than resin now is it yeah I've I basically got a, a gluey bionic fucking doom diver now the bionic goblin <laughs> yeah we can bring him back smarter faster it was nice so for about a couple of minutes, but then when it dried, you could like chip away at the outside and all the overgrown bits of glue, and you could like file it down, sand it. It looks more like a foot now. I've actually modelled it to kind of look like a, the shoe is like uncurling, so it looks a bit better. It looks more like the model. Really, I haven't really done a lot because I I've kind of lost the will to paint. I haven't really done anything other than that. I've had a few things come through on Kickstarter, which finally we've had our Willy Miniatures Goblin team as well, haven't we? We have indeed. About time. It feels like it's been fucking two years waiting for that fucking thing. But yeah, that's in hand, built, primed, ready, ready to be painted. So it's in the uh, conveyor belt of stuff I need to paint. They were lovely models, though, I've got to say. It, it was hardly anything to put together and it my my ones kind of slipped together quite nicely how, how was yours um mine went together quite well there was a mix of resin between the goblins and the wild drummer and trolls but i think that's just how they do things i've had stuff from other yeah. spanish companies before and i think it's just a, a common type of resin that they use that way my conquistadors team that you remember me talking about last year they came in that kind of resin and it's really nice resin to work with it's quite soft it's easy if you wanted to actually put your own battle uh battle damage into armor and stuff so i quite like it in that effect you can almost are you talking about the rubber no i'm i'm on about the the, the trolls and the wild drummer because that's the sort of resin that that comes in the um that's what I mean. It's like I don't know what it is. It it, fe- it felt like it was made from like a rubber. Yeah. Like if it, it felt like you could bounce it on your desk. Yeah, but I I quite like that kind of resin because let's say you can put your own battle damage into it quite easily without over carving mm. into it and things. Goblins themselves, again, they're resin. The the detail on them is really nice. I think I'm gonna wait until I've got thread out the way and then I'm gonna sit down and look at what I want to get painted because I want to start my slam team. I want to get the other additional sixteen. You want to find a husband? You want to settle that, down? That words are failing at this point. The other sixteen skinks for me, lizard men done i want to get finished the two combined teams of undead and necro done before i move on to my orcs i've been eyeing up the gw norse team talking of which you've made a rather expensive uh payment this month for uh for norse shush my wife is listening <laughs> yeah i i took advantage of the the Grebo, uh situation at the moment because they've got uh offer going on the way it lasts and you make an order and you get a free star player which I believe is more modelled after Thor he's got his uh, flowing locks he's a nice big hammer in his hand and it's a beast of a model I will say as well I didn't think I'd like it but it was the most appreciated thing ever it's that special star player model it's on one foot and it's at quite an angle where he's like lurching forward so he's quite low on the one foot as well but the clever guys at Grebo when they were making the model they had a fucking peg hole ready for you to put your fucking uh, peg in there your strut because like what I use for them is paper clips and then to drill through the base but you already had a hole 
to like put all his stuff in i thought that was amazing and then i wish he'd done that for the rest of his models because i had the mountain alliance which is most of the amazon team plus a couple of things that turn them into a norse team but surprising how much of that team is on one foot so i, I could have done with that mostly but it was the feet are so small i didn't want to like muck about with it just in case i went through the foot and then you've got a green stuff the top then they've been built they are primed i started painting them tonight and i forgot how much i hate doing flesh tones so that's going to take me a bit of time to do hopefully i can get them ready for the next um season of yobble league but what i'm using is my other delivery from kickstart which is my red grass games wet palette which is a fucking beast i gotta be honest i got like the studio version too which if people remember we advertised a couple of months ago where it's the new palette and you get the the washable membranes on them so that's come through and it's an absolute fucking beast and i tried washing the membrane with the flesh tone off it and it's really good how much that lifts off as well so i think it's really well worth the uh the deal on that so if people are interested in picking up the new wet palette stuff i would say just jump straight in it's absolutely fucking amazing my stuff came with a new painting handle i've had a load of attachments to put to the side of it like non-spill paint pot holders i got a painting book so i can look at different techniques as well it's absolutely fucking amazing and i showed you the picture of it earlier about the size of a small fucking laptop it is huge you did i i want to know more about this painting book is this so that you can finally learn the coloring in between the lights no it's not the uh yorkshire tea version of a fucking coloring book it's um all the different techniques so it's like stripling dry brushing fine line highlighting and stuff like that so i might actually know what i'm fucking doing at some point but so i've got that going on at the moment what else I've got well I think I've done a lot more purchasing than I have done actual painting because I've got the green stuff world shelving do you know they got the new modular shelving that they could put out so you've got the corner stuff you've got the oh, paint yeah. racks I've actually got the corner model and it's sitting right behind one of my monitors it's really fucking useful you can fit loads on it at the moment I've got some of my AOS stuff on there I've got some of my blood bowl stuff on there I've got some of my basic material stuff on there was that Green Stuff World or War, War Games World? Green Stuff. Oh, yeah, it's really good. And it's really fair price. Really quick to come to. And like I said about the colouring book for you, the bo the boxes from Green Stuff World, they, they are like you could fold them out and you can colour them in. I've had one of them. The detail's too small. If I can't do it with an inch wide crayon, it's no good for me. You do it with a two inch wide crayon, but you still fucking miss, but you still do it. Like The hardest thing for you when it's colouring is you've got to like, try and colour without putting your tongue out, don't you? Exactly. I'm going to talk about a really dull purchase. It's about me being lazy as fuck but it's actually really useful as well because with the green stuff world shelving i picked up the handheld uh, paint mixer lazy as fuck because you've got a little battery operated mixer a couple of attachments to hold the different paint pots but it works really well it's only like 15 quid and yeah it's lazy lazy because but like i realized some of my paint is like thick as fuck so i've stuck a few uh ball bearings in them chuck them two two three minutes on the mixer and it's fully mixed through it's absolutely amazing like i tested it straight away yeah i think that's about it for me you can kickstart a corner so be ed why don't you take it away it is indeed time for Kickstarter Corner, everybody's favourite segment. We've only got the one thing this month, and this is Base 2, or Base Squared, depending on how they've written it, because it's written two different ways, and it's the right angle. These are square bases for Blood Bowl. I'm going to say that again for those people that had a bit of a shock and fell off their chair. That's square bases for Blood Bowl. I'll stop you there. It wasn't you had to repeat it for the people that fell off their chair. You had to repeat it for the fucking dinosaurs <laughs> still wish that it was a fucking sway base game instead of uber powerful round base so we know how jay feels about this so i'm, I'm tempted to back it just to spite him so this is 10 pound you are a virgin square baser you are a virgin square baser <laughs> You're not a powerful round baser like me. So these are £10 or more, and you get 16 square player bases, a square ball counter, plus any stretch goals that they have. And the square bases themselves are 34mm squared, and these work out in a sense that you can put in either a square base, a 32mm round base, 25mm round base, 
or a 20mm square base. So for previous editions of Blood Bowl where different bases and different base sizes have been used for different things, these square bases take that into account. And what they've done on the four sides, they've actually sort of included a little divot on each edge so that the 32mm round base slots in perfectly. The, the ball counter base appears to fit underneath perfectly one of the regular square bases and that actually includes the ball scatter directions on the outside of the square base so you can see it straight away from whatever angle you're looking at. These come in grey plastic. Square base for the players also has prone and stunned written underneath so depending on which way you turn your player up they're prone or they're stunned and you can see that easily from the bottom of the base because I know sometimes when things get moved around and get knocked they can roll over on round bases this helps eliminate that. Uh, the only stretch goal at the moment two sorry the only two they have first of all two thousand pounds if they get to that they will include two extra bases with a star instead of a player number so and if they hit three and a half thousand it'll come in black plastic rather than gray however i think with with these in gray most people just repaint base edges anyway as they do standard at the moment but for 10 quid if you're looking for a different basing solution or if as jay says you're a dinosaur and you can't get your square basing fixed from anywhere 10 quid we've seen a lot worse projects for a lot more expense than that yeah yeah in fairness 10 pound that, that's quite quite low yeah but um by the by the look of it they're still a long way off the uh the target so be aware if you are looking at it that it might not come to fruition if uh people don't uh back it but one thing i will say about people that complain about models being moved and models rolling as tend to be suck it up buttercup if you can't can't deal with a model being rolled don't play the fucking game round base is where it is and if people agree with me let me know and if people don't agree with me they can still let me know but i won't give a shit <laughs> square base sucks right that's that, that that's going to be the, the new trending hashtag within a week of this going out i want i wanted to be i want hashtag square bases that will be everywhere but the thing is, right, I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this guy props, right? He's he's really fell right into the whole I'm gonna make a point of it's being a sway base. Right? Give your team an edge. Wow. Got all your bases covered. No you don't. Got them with fucking corners. And what's the other one he said? Be proud of your balls. Yeah, I'm proud of my balls. I whip them out all the time. Got me in a lot of trouble when I was younger. <laughs> it's hip to be square. No, it fucking ain't. Poor bastard. Right? And I'm saying that. He's probably younger than me, right? Like I said, dinosaurs want square bases. Oh, and if we lose all four listeners to that, I, I still fucking die on that hill. Square bases suck. You like square bases yourself, don't you? It doesn't bother me. I just want to know where the bad man touched you, because clearly that rant is, like, these square bases have hit a nerve. And... No, no, no. The bad man did not touch me with a square base. <laughs> it's a relic. It's a fucking relic we've moved on since then. Season two of New Blood Bowl. That's how far we've gone now. This is just a fucking relic of a bygone era. You know, when Alf was still on the telly, Hulk Hogan still had a full set of eight. If people like square bases, don't let my rant to put you off. Just realise if I ever see you out in the wild, I will take the piss. Talking about Kickstarter projects, we've finally got something from Raven Twin, haven't we? Oh, we have. Been, been long enough, you forgot about it. So, do you want to tell everyone the story of you and Raven Twin? Me and the uh, the liars, the thieves, the bandits, and what have you. It's not really a story, it's more of a saga. So, when we when I originally reviewed them on Kickstarter, the miniatures look great, you know, they promised quite a lot of support, they said that there were other things coming out, they're Patreon that you could also pay into and get other miniatures along the line, uh, that their Kickstarter would be exclusive to people on Kickstarter until everybody had received theirs, then they'd look to sell them through their own store or STLs. You know what, that all sounded fine. They got over 25 grand's worth of payment and they were only expecting something like eight, 900 quid. So way, way above and beyond what I think they were expecting to get. And then from there, it just started to become a bit of a shit show. So the little book of excuses was used regularly, even as far as when they got what they claimed was 80% of deliveries out. They claimed that they didn't have the moulded bases that were supposed to be sent, even though the majority of customers didn't have moulded bases. They just had regular bases. So the people kicking off. I'll be honest, I've had the models and just thrown them in a box because they are not 
worth what I've paid for them. The, the amount of detail on them is shocking. There's been absolutely no cleanup whatsoever. If you look at printed players, uh, when he does printed models, don't get me wrong, there are occasional bits where he's not managed to clean up and you are talking bits where it's like in a really awkward place to actually get a craft knife into. But the majority of his stuff does come well cleaned. It comes ready to be glued to a base and you can crack on with it. This stuff that I've had from uh, Raven Twin... <sighs> There were times when I was commenting, asking for updates on Instagram and Facebook, having my comments deleted. He was still advertising his Patreon, so still taking money off people, still designing stuff. He claimed to have issues with the resin producer. He claimed to have issues with post. Don't get me wrong, COVID's COVID. You know, when the COVID excuse came out, everybody gets delayed by COVID. But this was, this was an absolute, this got to be a, a joke. He didn't reply to anybody when people did make, and they weren't derogatory remarks. They were honest remarks about delays and wanting refunds he blamed anybody else but himself so i would just say to avoid with and when i say a wide berth see that 12 lane super highway in like california or whatever it is never mind the width of that look at how far that runs for something like 120 odd miles yeah I, I i reckon that's probably about wide enough that's why we kind of said if people have got a problem with raven twin to actually come to us because we would fucking amplify it because we knew you were having trouble and you weren't even putting derogatory comments out you were just asking for an update and he was deleting messages we know our friend joe from average joe painting he was in the same boat as you he had put in for the raven twin stuff he was still waiting his stuff was getting deleted and it just didn't seem like anything was coming of it it was just proper let's take the money and fucking leg it and make and make a bloody excuse for every bloody day of the week wasn't it i will say that you showed me the picture of the quality of uh, the Raven Twin stuff and I don't think you can actually put in words what the quality was actually like it was that bad you could see the fucking layer lines yeah I mean even if that was all fine just things like you read the comments on Kickstarter and the amount of comments of the amount of breakages again don't get me wrong 3D printing depending on the quality of printer you use isn't necessarily as good as resin or plastic molding however it's about how you package stuff so again, going to printed players, you look at the bubble wrap, packing peanuts and stuff they use. Yeah, some people might say that's over the top, but I've had four teams, including one for you in there and a couple of star players, all in one box. And apart from the tiniest end of a finger, everything has turned up and been absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like Raven Twin, stuff was shoved in zip Ziploc bags. There was no packing peanuts. It was just loose in the box. Um, I think I had bubble wrap that covered one side of the box, if that. And the amount of people who said breakages, breakages, small models, multiple broken small parts, unsalvageable. But again, even as far back as shipping last year. So they supposedly created the shipping labels in September of last year with whichever company they were using. Didn't send out notification to customers until February that they'd been created. However, that notification constantly for months just showed us item registered, not dropped off with post office or to that effect. It was in Spanish, so the Google Translate. So you, you say the thing, well, the guy's basically told Kickstarter he sent them to be uh, to be shipped, but done nothing with it. So you can tick a box with Kickstarter, which a lot of it seemed to be he would go weeks without replying to people. He wouldn't do updates when people complained to Kickstarter. Kickstarter said, well, that's the risk you take. Now, don't get me wrong. I get risks happen. I get things happen. Completely get that. But when you shut down all communication, you delete comments just asking for an update and then they delete comments asking why you deleted my comment starts to get a bit suspect in regards to some of the updates i'll give you an idea of some of the excuses we had so three types of round bases still hadn't arrived now surely you know how many bases you need a year after you've done it do you know what i mean what was the next one next one going back so there was no updates because they were waiting on bases and bear in mind that was march 30th june 10th so some two and a half months later they were still waiting on some bases now no offense I have ordered bases on eBay by the 200 load and I've had them within three days. So, and they're not claiming that these are some super special scenic molded bases. These were just bases. It was a bit of a shit show. But again, every time they emailed people, it came from a different email address. So it was almost as if like they'll email from one and then just not use that one ever again. So they don't have to read the emails. That just became very suspect for a lot of people. Yeah, it's like we advise people not to use Raven Twin because there's not just bad experience. There's a lot of things they need to improve. It's like the customer service, the uh, packaging, the actual quality. And don't get me wrong. Yeah, you take a risk, it's 3D printed dead right but he wasn't asking for 
for like two pound or something for a model. He was, you know, he was charging a fair price. You know, these were supposed to be like high detail stuff, and it, these weren't. Yeah. If 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 the models had been the quality that they'd originally said, delays can be forgiven if you communicate that with people. Again, if delays or things don't happen, then again, even if you have no news, even if it's just to say, and this people were just asking, look, can you send? Can you put up pictures of production and process? And you, when he did, you'd be talking is five models on a cutting mat, which didn't really, sh- you know, that could have been done by, you know, that could have been done by me doing it at home, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? When people say, can we see production in order? Look at when Grebo did theirs, and they put an update out of is as mid process. We're not looking to ship until this date, but here's a picture of all of our, and I'm going to call them bins from having worked in factories. Here's all the bins with model number eight in. Here's all the bins with model number nine in. And if you look a bit further down, you can see shelf underneath with bin 12 and bin 13. So you can, and, and they were full of models. Do you know what I mean? So you could see, yeah, they did not have the full order in of star players and stuff, but if they knew 300 people had ordered the team, so they need a minimum of 300 of each model, they're at least cracking on with doing what they could do in that time. Do you know what I mean? Like, And they were at least, there, there was that communication. Grebo, if there's ever a gold star example of how to do a Kickstarter, Grebo is it and I'm not even talking of we'll have it out to you within a month I'm talking the communication how clear it is on Kickstarter of like this is the risks this is the time frame we expect here's the models here's some pictures from different angles here's the original sculpt yeah oh, no it was a full service and it was amazing yeah. like you said it's gold standard that that is a company that people could aspire to like don't get me wrong we complained about our Willy Miniatures Kickstarter because the, that guy went on for two two months without talking to people but at least then once he realised I gotta get a shift on he was communicating he was showing pictures yeah. he was he was getting on with it like but these guys were chances like it says a lot if somebody's deleting deleting comments questioning like time yeah. frame yeah you know, I, I asked the I asked the Willie Miniatures guy directly. I said, like look, can I can I have a time frame for what's happening? He got he responded to me within yeah. a day. I mean that's Sent me a pic of all stuff ready to go. I went, I don't know what, fine, I don't give a shit anymore because I can see this guy is putting yeah. the effort in. But there was no effort with no. Raven and Twin. you look at the stuff that's turned up from Willy Miniatures and they're cast rather than printed in, in comparison to Raven Twin. But the quality of what we've got from Willy Minis in comparison to what we've got from Raven Twin, yes, both were delayed. And yes, Willy Minis did go quiet for a little while. And that may have been because he might have had COVID or other things going on. But like you said, when he realised he needed to get a shift on, he did reply to people if people asked. He did put pictures up when it got to a point of, hang on, I actually do need to give you guys an update. And what has turned up, yeah, there was a delay. But you know what? I don't mind waiting when the quality is like that. If you tell me that something's going on, like you say, yeah, we waited a while. But waiting for the Willy Minis things and waiting for the Raven Twin are two totally different customer service experiences. That's our review of Raven Twin. He's a bit of a fucking joke. To be honest, I'm going to go as far as a bell end, to be honest, and I don't actually say that on here that often. Yeah, that's, that's a phrase you uh, you reserve for certain people. Yeah, there you go, bell end award goes to... Exactly. We- fucking Raven Twin. And don't know what, Nuffle can fuck it, bro, like it. I don't give a shit about him anymore, right? Unless they come back and you, they can prove they've up their fucking game I will tell everybody to fucking avoid it. absolutely I think we'll have to call it there but because otherwise we could fucking ramble on about these fuckers for forever and a day right but they're not worth our fucking time anymore we're gonna go for a musical break hello my friends my name is Dan Kirby I have a very easy to follow and very chilled out painted channel on YouTube where I paint miniatures of all different shapes and sizes. I paint miniatures from all different types of board games, and by using simple tips, tricks, and techniques, it couldn't be easier to follow along. If you enjoy a relaxed painting atmosphere, then please check it out. Right then, guys, we are back in business. To you guys, it was uh, 30 seconds. To us, it's been months. So we are going to... Come in with a very light topic now. We we asked you guys quite recently, Gavin X and Mr. Men. Beard, as I will be telling you these, which one do you want to go first? Uh, should we do Mr. Men first? Mr. Men? Right, here we go. In no particular order, here is the Mr. Man collection, Blood Bowl edition, right? Mr. Knows the Numbers. I'm a stat man. Oh, that's only going to be one person. But... The stats man, I will say this. When he's in when he's in the zone, he he's seeing the world through an Excel spreadsheet and he, he is. Oh, I, I couldn't do it, see, because to, like maths would cook my brain. 
is that you saying we should call you Mr. Don't Tell Me The Odds? No, that's me saying, just don't bog me down with maths, just let me roll. We got Mr. Googly Eyes, so someone is very impressed with their uh, star player from Threadball. I'm not going to say who that was, but I think it's pretty obvious if you knew what he painted. We got Mr. Bash, I'm the casualty man. Now, that, to me, that screams overconfidence in his uh, in his tackling ability. But then, oh, it does. It does. Mr. Bash, I'm the casualty man. The worst pickup line in all. All of nerddom, that is. Oh, Mr. Never Read the Rules. Again, that can only really be one person. Mr. Fail GFI. Now, that's that's something bitter about important uh, rushes going on with it. It It is, that's that's something who is bitter. That's uh, Mr. Fail GFI. That's that's not just, uh, I rush. That's, it's fucked up in the most important times. We got Mr. Fuck You Nuffle. Batman scorned, isn't it? That's you. Yeah, that could be me. That could fit me very well. Lord fuck you, Nuffle, that could be. We got a Mr. Shit at Snot, because he failed six stupidity rolls for throwing his snot lens. That's good going. That trumps my eight two-plus dodge fails. Really good going, that is. And then I think this is our boy, boy old Gingerbeard himself. Mr. Two Dice at Bell, and you can't stop me. Again, that's somebody very overconfident. That that's someone thinking they're swinging balls of steel there when they probably got two little tic tacs. Yeah, but when you've got nothing else left and you need to go for it, you need to go for a two dice uphill. Well, yeah, I'm not saying no different. But when you when you add the thing and you can't stop me, that's the bit that gets. It's not Mister Two Dice Uphill. Is stick that in your pipe and smoke it, cause here I come. The Mr. Man, I think it was very short because everyone was very polite to each other about this. Before we go go on, right? What is the worst skill, do you think, in Blood Bowl at the moment? Like, you know, the, the biggest trap skill that people could, like, put into and it doesn't make no difference. But if you give me two seconds to grab my rule book. Like, to me, I think it's defensive, right? Yeah, because it's so situational. It's just I wanted to highlight defensive, right? Because I've got a story for you, which I believe this guy was amazing and had the defensive skill built in, right? Man on meth fights off 15 coppers while jacking off. Florida man, isn't that your normal Saturday morning? I don't think I could fight off 15 coppers while masturbating. I don't know. I reckon you could. Are you saying 14 is your hard limit? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't actually tackled the police while in a fit of frenzied masturbation. But I think you should. I think. I think we should put this to the limit and see. See if you are Mister Fifteen or if Fourteen is like where you stop. But though I do like the fact that you've you've gone right. I'm going to ignore the headline, and I'm going to put, you're going to set the challenge to me. So does that mean your dick don't work anymore or something? Is it not just your legs that are buggered? It's your dick as well, or what? Because you, you seem to throw it at me, but like you've said nothing about yourself. Oh, my, my, my limit on that's going to be a straight five. I ain't getting anywhere near 15. You, you just went, oh, I don't know what my legs are fucked. Take me, take me now. <laughs> I've had enough. To deal with 15 coppers, right? Well, you must be doing it single-handedly as well. That must be the true strength of defensive right there. I half expected you to say, I hope the guy who did it is listening so we can talk to him and interview him. Do you know if anybody does know him, I would love to talk to him, just like to know like what was going through his head at that point. Did he see him as like little imps that were like stopping him, like you know, no, you cannot masturbate. It was the no no police or something like that. No no, don't touch yourself there, police. No, get off me, little imps. I must I must furiously masturbate. Otherwise, like my heart might go backwards, and I'll forget how to shit. It's fucking amazing, man. I I well I think it is anyway. What I will say at this stage is if you are a new listener to us, this is the kind of depth of Blood Bowl that we plumb to. Um, it's this kind of philosophical debate of, and how you mix that with a Blood Bowl skill. That's, that's, that's the kind of infamous conversations we are known for at Tier 3. Stay classy. It's, um, it's cute that you think we got new listeners. We haven't been at the table in front of our mics for months, so I'm not even sure that we've got uh, old listeners anymore. It's been a while. In the words of Stain, it's been a while. 
perhaps we should change onto gaming expert these these are community fed i would say but it's i've asked i've asked the world give give me the things that really get under your skin what really did you know irritates you and if you're listening and you're not part of the facebook page seek us out tier three podcast same logo you know it's us let's get into it top one an illegible dice that you've always got to ask about why may have dice made so obscure that you've got to find out what the result is every time this includes injury dice action dice and rush dice because you've got your special rush dice and your uh your, your bag of dice and... oh, i've got my bag of dice but all the illegible ones i've put into a bag that i don't use no more i've got rush dice where they only have a logo on one of the six sides which is fine because you just wait for that to show up if it doesn't you're fine oh but it's fine for you Obviously, there's a few, quite a few people in this community that think that's bullshit. But I've stopped using the custom ones that you can't see no more. Same with the GW bullshit ones that you can't see, like the Snotling ones, because they are fucking awful whoever designed them. GW dice are fucking awful anyway. Most colours are. I know, but like some of them are really clear. Like So, for instance, grey and blue dwarf ones, the purple and white dark elf ones, they're really clear. But then the Snotling, very faint purple on translucent green. You can't fucking see them. What's the fucking point? Which is why they're re-releasing them. But I'm going to say this as well, right? Do those dwarf dice. Yep. Sometimes when you're across the table, depending on where you sat, how close you are to a light source, they can be pretty shitty to read as well. Fair. I'm going to be honest. I'm not a great lover of special dice for special occasions. You, you know, you've got... They say a D6, a D16 and D8, you know, for most things. Use that. But you do you. If it makes you happy, then masturbate furiously to it someone then added constant high rolling dice must have been specially treated now that's that's a bitter opponent that one is i i think that one was just we'd be bitter because we were bitching about dice i don't want to i don't want to go too far into that but you do question dice rolls if there's a constant six appearing like you know oh you do which is why i cycle through dice on pretty much every single dice roll so that that way i'm not using the same dice all the time I I was when well, I would have like a massive bag of dice that I've collected, right? And all of a sudden now I've decided, do you know what? I'm going to stick to a handful of dice. I don't know whether you've noticed this last couple of games. I've just gone right. I'm using these dice, and I'll use them for the whole whole game, so I'm not like in and out all the time. So it's like so nobody could turn around to me and say, oh, when you were picking up these dice when you make this roll, you know, making you're picking up those dice when you need this roll and all that type of thing. It's like no, I've used this for the whole game. I suppose as a club you could. Uh, talk about that type of thing but then in tournaments people have got different ways of doing it like you know you've got different habits by different people so you've just gotta sadly you've gotta grin and bear it the next one i'm gonna be i'm gonna be agreeing with this one right awkwardly positioned dice trays or hidden dice results that i agree with like don't get me wrong i've had a roll dice like i was at a tournament and i had a roll on a book because like you know me with the dice cup i'm quite hard Got break, breaking tables. Ah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm like that. So I had to like, do it on like my rule book. Yeah. Because if I did it on the table, the things would bounce in, right? But the, as soon as I'd done that, I went, here's my result. And I picked up the dice and I put it there. So even before I knew it, it was in the middle of the table, right? That's how you get around that type of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's fair. Do you know when like, somebody's going, oh, here's my dice and all that type of thing, and they'll tell you the results? Ask to see the dice. Yeah. I think that is fair. It's like, can I can I see the dice? Because you could tell by the way they pick it up if they've moved the dice or if they flipped it. You, you could you could use it, or use another thing. Don't be afraid to ask to move the tray so it's in a more visible spot. So there's ways about it. Next one. Unrestricted star players slash mercenaries. More star players are imbalanced to their points. Morg, for example, and. Yeah, okay. I think if you go to a tournament and you are looking at the bigger field, you don't want to go against Morgs. Morgs a bit of a twat. But what you've got to remember is most teams to get a Morg, they've got to lose a lot of good positions or they've got to be a really low team to be able to afford them. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. Because most, most tournaments you go to now, you're not going to see Morg with humans here. No, I, I agree with that. But I also think that certain stars like Glart and players like that where they have their once a game thing is so game breaking 
Or even even their inbuilt rules. So like, for example, going to Morg with Mighty Blow plus two, because that's quite a strong bone of contention in the community. You look at that, and we've even tested in our own league of that Mighty Blow plus two and Dirty Player plus two. You can only use that once per game. And we've trialed that to see how we get on with it. I think some of them are only once a turn, or like Acorn, I know Acorn's probably the cheapest star there is at 80k or not far off, but that always re-rolling the Dauntless compared to other players where it's a, it's a once a game thing. There needs to be consistency, but it also needs to be something that doesn't break the game. But at the same point, if you're going to have so many star players, how do you have every single one of them where they have a balanced special rule? It's not possible to do, I don't think. Yeah, there's got to be a balance to it. But I think that's where the team building cost comes into it a lot. Because if you do it at the right balance, you can get enough variety of teams. But stop the stupid shit star players as well. I can't remember which tournament I saw on Talk Fancy Football. But it was one where they said they split the tiers. Instead of three, they took it to five. And they said... Griff, Deep Root, Hackflem, and Morg. I know it was available for tier 4 and 5, but anything above, it wasn't allowed. And it was like, okay, you stick a restriction there. So obviously, the tier 4 and 5, these are the lower end of the competitive table. Like, yeah. All the stuff that is like, you sneeze next to, or they, there's a high chance of them not doing what they're supposed to do. Obviously, they've sat down and they've looked at it and they've said, right, these teams are quite competitive with the mid to lower star players and these ones need need the higher end ones to be competitive. I think you can do that to balance it, but I think your team creation and if you're doing the you know the bias skills, that can price out a lot of these star players. But yeah, I totally agree, Morg is a cunt. Yeah. You, he basically said it in no uncertain terms, but they haven't. He? Don't know of anybody that's ever sat down at a tournament and their opposition had Morg and they sat there and went, Oh, Joy, yes, I get to play Morg without the sarcasm. I'm going to skip off to the toilet and release my chub. Ugh. Exactly. You know, some, somebody might turn up, we say, Acorn, and you sit and think, I'll easily be smashed in at ground strength one, things like that. But nobody, you know, or you sit down, your opposition's got snotlings, you think, Great, I've got a chance of getting some casualties out of this. Whereas your opponent sits down and he's got Morg and it's like, yep, time for me to get my ship pushed in. Yeah, where were we then? So we've done dice, we've done awkward trays, we've done star players. Uh, someone said, my gaming Nick is seeing an opponent with Slan. So someone's got a real grudge against Slan. I will say that leap is a bit fucking much mind. But uh, he said, when their dice are hot, the ring of leap is on a scale of biblical proportions. That that's somebody who still gets therapy because of their games against Slam. I know they got touched in the wrong place, didn't they? That 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 screams of like torment. That one does. But in all seriousness, though, I think with Slam, the reason why people find them so difficult and so uncomfortable to play against is because you don't see them often. Certainly not as often as other races, which means. Because you don't see them often, you don't play against them often, you don't know how to deal with them as well as you deal with other teams. Because they play so differently to so many other teams, they've got that mass leap, it's not just one or two players. It gets to a point where your entire defensive game plan has to change. You can't do sort of like just step back one square, you have to double screen everything. And if you are a slower team like Dwarfs, as soon as something leaps past you and it runs, it's gone. You've no chance of catching it. So you have your positioning has to be absolutely spot on. It's certainly a team that I want to get more games in against to get used to how they play because at some point I want to play them. I want to see how shit I can be with them. But no, I I, I completely get it, and it's 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 just that down to how often they're played. Like you said, there's an unusual team because there's not a team in say the main Blood Bowl roster that has that much uh, leap. You get blocked for your dwarves, and you've got teams that can go around it. You've got there's not one that can just like backflip the board either. No, if you're fortunate to have a, a league where someone likes playing slam because you do it naff sanctioned, all well and good, good to you, enjoy, learn how to do it, and then you know what to do. Because I think, what tier are they? The tier two, I think, yeah. Like, and to me, they should be tier one because because they got a good set of rules to counteract 
a lot of teams. If you take watching them on Blood Bowl 2 a lot, compared to other traditional Tier 1 teams, even the good Blood Bowl players struggle in longer-term leagues with them. So I don't think... I, I think Tier 2 is perfectly reasonable for them. But then I don't really class Blood Bowl 2 as a good layer point, really, because of how bizarre that dice fucking algorithm oh, is. Oh, if you ignore the dice algorithm, though... That's a hard thing to say, that is. Ignore the dice algorithm when it's a online dice game yeah. where you need that algorithm to... I don't know. Perhaps I'm just being an asshole about it, and I think this would be a good point for people to come in and tell us what ha- what they think of it. So let's get on to the next one. We got... A few now that's going to roll into each other, okay? Yep, see what you did there. Roll dice games. Teams that are, not, that are not painted to a good minimum standard. Who wants to look at a team that looks like it's just paint thrown at it? I, I get that, but then I also get that, you know, with the hobby, painting isn't everyone's forte, especially in this climate at the minute. Not everybody can afford to pay somebody else to paint them. I, I get where somebody's coming from. It is nice to look at a fully painted team on the other side side of the board that looks really nice but if painting isn't somebody's strong point i i wouldn't see it as too much of a problem just so long as i can still work out what models what do you know what i mean as long as they're not like dunked in emotion and then you go oh oh yeah there's like five or six different positionals in this team you know as long as it's easy to to work out if you're going to do something like that do you know what i mean yeah that's the thing i i can understand where they're coming from it's not a nick for me like i get it if you were going to tournaments and you put the effort in it could probably be a thing of well i put the effort in why can't you but like you said some people painting is not part of this hobby for them. I can see why it's Nick, but I can understand why people are not always great with painting. Yeah. Like, I gotta be honest, some, some of my paint schemes are shit, but they are neat in a way. Not great, but neat. And I think that's how I can get away with it on some of them. Let's have a look now. Mr. Rule Lawyer, to the point of being an asshole. That's another record that somebody said. And there's a few there's a few things that, ta- that you've got to take into consideration by it. It's like, yeah, you have got those people that will live their life in their book and know the rules and you get the ones that they can sound like an utter cock about it as well. But you've got to remember, there's a few people in this hobby that are socially awkward as well. Yep. So they might not think that they're being an asshole without realising they're an asshole. But then you do have these one, these couple of people like, oh, um, I know it's on this page and... It's this rule because I use it all the time. And was, like, if I asked you, can I have a look at it? It's just it takes two minutes for us to have yeah, a look. Yeah. Don't be the dick. I think for me though, with, with that one, it's the people that are dick about it and that are also wrong. If that makes sense. Yeah. It it's one it's one thing to sit and say, look, yes, I play this team all the time, and you look at their naff and they're like three in the world for that race. All right, it's fair to assume they know their rules. But like like you say, if you're talking somebody who is socially awkward and is being an arse about it and not even letting you check the rule, that's a bit different. Or even when you've given them the rule book, stating that the rule book is wrong, because we've, we've, we've all met those people, that they've got it in writing in black and white. Oh, no, that's wrong. But that's from the makers of the game. There hasn't been an FAQ, so show me where it's wrong. But then it's the people that are assholes, but are also wrong about it as well. And they have that smugness, even though they're totally wrong. You know, I think it's it's about how you have that conversation on both sides. You know, like you say, there's nothing wrong with asking, look, can I see the rule book? Or... You know, it takes two minutes. We're ahead of time in our game time, which I know there's a nick coming up about game time. You know, where you can sit and say, look, it clarifies it here, or I've got the latest FAQ, or if, if we take Slan, for example, as we've already talked about, they've got rules that aren't used as often, like Leap and Pogo and so on. If you have your own cheat sheet where you have everything copied out onto, copying it word for word from the rule book, just something like that that helps your opponents go by. Do you know what I mean? But I think for me, it's... Let, let's all be honest. We play Blood Bowl for fun. We, we have to rules lawyer what we do for jobs day in, day out. Let's have a bit of fun in what we we do and if we get it wrong we get it wrong it happens do you know what i mean but there's no need to fall out just because one person says a yeah. rule is this and one person says a rule is that i agree with them they've just got to like not let the asshole out they've got, they've got to just pack it up but all just for a, a little bit longer and stop themselves but that leads on to another comment we had it's when your opponent tells you that you're playing your team wrong even though you show them that you're playing their right they still try to pressure you into playing it their way. And that's another thing we talked about. 
that's like the arsehole. That is like that wants to win. And he wants, it doesn't matter if it's the game, doesn't matter if it's, you know, walking to the toilet to get have a piss first. This, this person, he has got to be the winner of that outcome. But the, there's a simple solution to that at a tournament. Bring the TO over. How's this ruled, Mr. TO? It's ruled like this, exactly how you're playing it. Take that, asshole. I'm playing it the right way. Fuck you. And carry on. That's that's a simple solution. Obviously, it's a bit different in club where like you might be playing a friendly. If it's in your own club and it's a league game, get your commissioner to rule on it. They're also the one that's not getting the dick touched by other people. Absolutely. But neither you nor they. You took the words out of my mouth, though, but when I said just get get the TO involved. Yeah. That's the final ruling at the end of the day. If that person wants to argue that the TO is wrong, down to him. But then you just do that on your own time. Pick it up with them afterwards. The event is running. Don't be the... The fucking awkward cog making it making the day go worse for other people. What have we got? The overly apologetic opponent. I will say I've been guilty of this. It is really not often that I get this, but I've been in some games where no matter what you do, it never works out for your opponent. Sometimes it feels like you're rolling high numbers all the time, or every time their player goes down, they're off. I spend a lot of my time removing my players because my dice don't fucking work properly. But that re-occasion that it turns to the other person, I feel so bad for them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. And I, I, I get this because we've all, we've all had those games where for one turn, your opponent dice not working can be quite amusing. Oh, that didn't work for you. That's a shame. But when it gets to three or four turns, it stops being funny. Three or four turns is not bad. It's when you spend a whole half where everything you touch is gold and it doesn't work out for the opponent. Then you start the second half, say, and it's repeat again where they've not got as many players. Their plays are not working out. Like even like simple stuff like, I don't know, stupidity on a on a troll or something like that. I know as a coach, I feel awkward then. It feels like I'm seeing someone having a bit of a fucking moment. Yeah. When they get tilted, you're like, oh shit, I don't want to be, I feel awkward. I want to walk away to let them just be tilted on their own. Perhaps they calm down. But then you're like, I can't because there's a timer. I will say when I'm on the other side of it, when you get that video, oh, oh, I'm, oh I'm sorry. And it dice me again. You just, I was like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel nice when someone's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You just like, yeah, it's a fucking dice game at the end of the day. My dice ain't good. Perhaps in my next game, they, they are good. It's just something you've got to grin and bear. I think what doesn't help is when we pay to go to tournaments, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a hobby that you pay to go to events for. So we should be able to go to those events and have fun. Unfortunately, with it being a, a game of chance, especially when things go wrong, it's it can be difficult to have fun when it's several turns in a row that that goes wrong. When you realise that you've both paid, say, I don't know, 20 quid for the day and you're, you've got a game where you're like, yeah, I got it. I got an easy like four nil. You you do feel like you've devalued their day a little bit. That could that could be the blip that really spoils their day. Yeah, I get it, and cause I think it like I oh shit, I don't want I don't want them to have a bad day. You know, we're all there for a laugh. I like I don't I don't mind having the shit kicked out of me. I'm used to it by now. My dice fucking turn on me all the time. But like I said, you don't want to spoil other people's fun, do you? But then you've got to realize that the apology can sometimes be a little bit of the. Bit, that's needling them a bit as well, I guess. So perhaps this is something we're all going to work on. Let's go now. Slow play to run the clock down when they think it's better for a draw than a loss. That's not so much an ick. I think that's just like a dick move. Yeah. They want to walk away with, oh, I haven't been beaten. A draw is not a loss. Yeah. I've played my best. I mean, if they're being honest with themselves, they haven't played their best. They've played the clock. There's a difference. It is a dick move. What do you think, bud? Oh, I completely agree. I think if you're if you're sat there watching the clock going five turns to hang on and there's five minutes left, I'll take 30 seconds to move each player, then you're being a dick. If you're sat there going, I've got five minutes and it's a draw and I can get that over the line in the next three turns and you're speeding play along, it's totally the opposite. I think anybody that plays the clock in that way to get a neutral or positive result by going, I didn't get beaten, you know, I'm... I, I, I think it's a dick move. I, I just think it's it's unsportsmanlike. That's the main phrase, but unsportsmanlike. But, uh, yeah, they are in the same category as rules, lawyers, and everything like that. They, they dickheads. 
don't be a dickhead. That's a general r- rule for living your life, innit? Exactly. Right, what we got next? We got some fun ones where I know about. Dice cup wigglers. Be a man, shake it properly. I think that's a fair thing. So do I. Some people, they give it a little wiggle because they know what the result is going to come if they just wiggle it a bit. Like, ah, oh, you shake it. You, you make sure that they know. Yeah. A result is a result. Just go for it. But yes, dice cup wigglers, stop your shit. That follows on to people who drop dice only use the good results. I think what they're trying to get, I just don't like when people are rolling in their hands and you've got the one that drops out. You have some people who go, oh, it's a it's a push. Like, I'll use that one because it, it fell. And then if it was a skull, you know that you go, oh, I dropped it out of my hand. I've seen this. I know you've seen this. Yep. So it is a little bit dirty. They know what they're doing. If you're going to play the, the drop ones, I love the good results. You play the drop ones that have bad results. I'm not saying the ones on the floor because it's away from the table. But if you're going to use the one result, you've got to take the other result. And you you can't you can't just have all the positives. Exactly. You want to play fair, like you know. Exactly. If ever I drop a dice, I will always ask my opponent, "Do you want me to re-roll that?" Whatever the result, because I think it's only the, the fair thing to do. If if it's a if it's a positive result, I'll ask them, "Do you want me to re-roll that?" Because I've dropped it. Yeah, and it, there's a difference in. You shake your dice cup, it falls out of the gap between your finger and the, the edge of the cup. We've played those people, like you say, where it's there's more than just a bit of uh, manipulation going on. I think those people are like some, sometimes the dice cup wigglers as well. I think they kind of feed into each other, kind of like they, they're not quite dick move assholes, but it's kind of you start and they go down the dick move road, really, you know. It's yeah. the slow winding slope into dick move, then, and unclear positionals. And teams that have been made, and you can't tell what is what. I believe this is the... I know there's a lot of 3D printed teams going on at the moment. We've seen uh, Rubber Ducks. We've seen Gruffalos and everything in between. And they all look the same. And I know one person was like, Oh, well, how am I supposed to tell what is a lineman and what's a blitzer? Just like the colour of the bandana doesn't mean shit. Yeah. If I've got to keep asking, is it fair for that team to be there? In a way, I kind of understand where they're coming from because if I'm against an opponent, another thing that's going to wind down the clock is if I'm constantly asking, what player is that? You've got to have a clear team. Yeah, I mean, I've I've played some of you at Amazons where they'd painted the shoulder pads and that was the only difference. Yeah. Like, the base rooms were all the same at- but all the shoulder pads were turned towards them, so I had to keep asking them to turn them round. What one's that again? And because it got to a point of I'd asked so many times, I'll be honest, I started being a dick about it because if I've had to ask you ten times and it's only turned two, and it's as obvious as you know, you're, you're turning the one bit where I can discern what the player is towards you all the time, so I don't know what I'm hitting, that's you being deliberately a dick with your own team, so yeah. I'll be a dick about it. The way that I've done it, is I where I have teams of multiple positions, I followed on the NAF website, they have the base rim painting guide of like red is for blitzers, yellow is for catchers, white is for throwers, you know, that sort of thing. And I followed that and I've copied that across all of my teams. So whatever the painting theme of my team is, you'll be able to see it straight away from the base rim edges. But a lot of your teams as well, there's a clear difference between the positionals as well. I would I would say you've done that on teams that you didn't really need to. Like I think you You've done it on your, I think you've done it on your dwarves as well at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I've done it on my dwarves as well, yeah. That was, was that the first team you've done it with? It was the first team I've done it with, and the reason why I did it is because I played against somebody who had the two blitzer models. One was a lineman and one was a blitzer, so I couldn't work out playing against it what was what. But the thing is, so you've done it on your team, right? But you could see that it was clear position. I'm on about people who, like, like say you've got a team of goats or whatever, and like, oh, when's, like these goats with the fags in their mouth, they're the minotaur or something like that. Or this fucking goat with um, one horn, that's a fucking runner or something like that. Right? Yeah. It makes no sense, right? Because you, you're not going to, he's not going to sit there for about 20 minutes. Your opponent has to be able to see it from four feet away without needing to ask. It, it, it needs to be as simple as that. And again, slows the game down. Yeah. It's another way of just eating into the clock, and I fucking hate it. And I never used to get bothered by it. I used to, like, yeah, it's, if that's the team you want to be seen with, you'll be seen with it. You do it, right? Whatever floats your boat. If, if you, that gives you a hard on at the end of the day, enjoy, right? But the more I play, I don't, I don't want to be, like, paying attention to the stupidest little detail just to know what to hit. Yeah. It's unnecessary. And I know this is going to sound awful. I'm starting to go down the route of just 
get a clear fucking team. We've seen plenty of teams where people have like chopped up fantasy models on, and they've been clear as fuck what they are. Yeah. There's no need to like be obscure as fuck. Yeah. Well, I think what you have to think is if you're playing a team like that, I might know where it is playing it. My opponent might not. When you want to go to a tournament, you want to be finishing plenty of time between games. So you don't want to be wasting minutes because they've got to ask me all the time what this is. I've got my little Lebowski team. I played them as halflings. The only position orders I had were treemen, and I just went, right, okay, so the treemen are going to be on 40 mil bases. Straight away, you can see, bigger base, it's a big guy. And I've done that with all my big guys now. I get what you're saying. I completely get it, yo. And I've had to do it. I've had to ask, what's this again? What's that? Yeah, exactly. Right. Do you know what? I think we've gone on long enough now. I th- I think it's probably time that we uh, call it here and we will see everybody next episode then where we can go over a catch-up, I think, and then we can talk about the tournaments that we've been to. We can even talk about our tournament. If you've got any questions, you can email us or message us on, twi- on uh, Twitter, Facebook. We've got instagram as well you're going to find us if you type in tier 3 podcast on facebook twitter and instagram yeah do you remember what our email is tier 3 podcast at outlook.com so that's where your emails can come through to so you can ask us anything you could send us um fuck you nuffles as well where you could tell us you were horrible nightmare stories of games played and when you've Curse Nuffle out loud. You could tell us any further X, Florida Man stories. Perhaps we could find another one that could top uh, the guy beating the police officers while jacking off. But Biad, I'm going to say something now, but we are no longer the new kids on the block now, but. Say what? No longer the new kids on the block. Well. There's a Canadian podcast now called uh, The Iron Nuffle. If you guys are in the Canada area, I think they're around about Quebec, and you want to catch up on the tournament scene, check them out. Tell them Tier 3 Centre, because I want to try and sort out an interview with them at some point as well. Tell the people in Canada land that the people from Wales land say hello. At this moment, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And we'll see you next time. Take care all. (laughs) 